Hey, Dr. Mike here. You know, if you want to live forever-ish, you have to know what's in and what's not. Stay tuned to find out. You're listening to Live Forever-ish, a show dedicated to helping you live just a little longer. Here's your host, Dr. Mike and Dr. Crystal Gosser. All right, welcome to Live Forever-ish. So, Dr. Crystal, this is an uh, important um, uh, in and out for us, right? We, we like to live forever-ish. People mm-hmm. know that, strong and vibrant. And so there's three things we want to do and one thing we don't want to do or avoid, right? That's right. Um, and so we're going to start with in number one. And I think this is this is pretty big. This is pretty important. Um, it turns out that the U.S. Preventative Service Services Task Force is now recommending, there was a lot to say, <laughs> is now recommending that um, women start their breast cancer screening not at 50 anymore, but 40. Right. And uh, so this is... We're in August 2023. This came out in May. The task force released this uh, proposed update. And yeah, I'm I'm in my 40s. I'm already getting the mammogram. Yeah. So I think before it was up to kind of the doctor to determine was. your it, risk. And Yeah, it depended kind of what group you were at. So when I was in radiology at UT Southwestern in Dallas, I know that group, um, they they had women started at 45. Okay. And that was just that center. That's what they suggested. That's what they did. It was based on some data already. And obviously, it was good data because now yeah. they're make, changing the recommendations. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the, these recommendations are, I would say, a little bit controversial because you have other trusted groups like the American Cancer Society or, you know, even radiology groups or, or different groups that have had varying positions on the age. Yeah, I think, you know, if I remember right, so I wasn't um, in uh, women's radiology. We had a whole group for that. And they okay. did all they did all the mammographies. I mean, I had to do a rotation, but I, I right. but I do know um, part of the issue always was about the radiation. So if you're starting younger, you're getting more mammograms added to a woman's lifetime. What is that really doing to radiation exposure? But it, it's pretty minimal. Yeah, in a in a, in a, mam- a mammogram. So, so some people think ah, we don't need to worry about it. Others think, well, maybe you should if you're if you're accumulating right that over time. And I think uh, the other piece, a, a part of the controversy, is when you're younger, your breast tissue is more dense, more false yeah. positives. And you're, so you have more ultrasounds having to be used probably versus the mammogram. We'll, we'll get into some of that. So, so why are we talking about this? Mm-hmm. Well, this is this is about living forever-ish. Right. It's something you want to do, and ultimately, what this is, if I can, if I can put an umbrella over this, mm-hmm. it's it's cancer screening, but breast, colon, you know, all the things we can do, right? Because there's no doubt, early detection is the best way to survive a cancer. Right. And ideal screening programs find invasive cancers when they can be easily treated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it cancers that if you waited another two or three years, it's almost too late. That's right. Right. So um, so early. So that's why this isn't it. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not just about breast cancer screening. I think that's kind of the umbrella. But bringing it back to the breast cancer screening, um, mammography is still going to be even at for most women at age 40, that's still going to be the go to. But as you mentioned, the younger, the younger the the, the woman, the, the greater chance she's going to have to have ultrasound, right? Um, as well, they usually do both. They do, yes, and and so I think we can we have just kind of some steps when you kind of think about the different screening options, and we can walk through some of those. Uh, but yes, you're right. The ultrasound combined with the mammogram, uh, I'm dealing with that now. Yeah. I had a mammogram last week. 
I didn't bring my ultrasound <laughs> prescription. Note they are two separate scripts two from your doctor. Yep. Yep. Two separate appointments in the system. Yeah. So I have to go back next week for the ultrasound piece. Okay. But it's not it's, not it's, too bad. It's okay. So you, you mentioned steps. These are kind of like preventative steps, right? So the first right. one um, is just being familiar with your own body. Right. Yes. Don't wait for the yearly, you know, that my my gynecologist also performs the clinical breast exam uh, during that exam. Don't wait for that. Yeah. It's you have to be familiar you with kind of the yeah. grooves and the lumps and the bumps. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> you do. I mean, that, that's how you know. You know, you feel something like, oh, I felt that since I was 15. You know, it's like. Exactly. Right. And so it's important to know your own your own body. And the same thing goes for men with testicular mm-hmm. uh, cancer, stuff like that. Um, no, Yeah, it's just, that's definitely step number one. Number two um, is getting, as you mentioned, the clinical mm-hmm. breast exam. So so you have self mm-hmm. versus clinical. So like, tell us tell us why that clinical part is. Yeah. So this is by a trained healthcare professional and, and they may be able to pick up um, things that you may not be able to. However, you know, there's there's research kind of comparing the the patient, the self exams to the clinical and there's no real advantage to the clinical versus the patient. The patient who really performs their self exams right. regularly, they they're, they're able good. to they're, they're pretty, pretty good. good. They'll yeah. find it out. Yeah. If you're not doing that, definitely the clinical one yeah. is the next step. Yeah, I mean the clinical one, it works because you're dealing with practitioners who do it on a daily basis. So they, right. they they're able to they you just be they be get more sensitive to, mm-hmm. to small things and mm-hmm. stuff because they do it all the time. Right. 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 Um so that's important. Then, and then, of course, number three is getting the, 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 the mammography. Mm-hmm. Um, and now maybe the recommendation is going to be starting at 40. We were already doing it at 45. You started yours in your 40s. I did yeah. at 40. My, my doctor said, game. I know. And so it was surprising when I saw this 40. I was like, hmm, I'm already getting it at 40. But yeah, who knows why? My doctor said that maybe because I'm African-American. And, and so that puts me in a different category as far as increased risk for breast cancer. Uh, but yeah, I started when I was 40. And now my doctors, both of my doc, my general care practitioner, I got a call. I, I have multiple scripts <laughs> on the on my dresser. And they're all like, you, you better go. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, so you have to you have to do it. Yeah, I know. A- absolutely. Um, mammography. It's pretty good. It, it, it'll capture um, uh, you around 90 percent, 92 percent of true cancers. I mean, that's a that's a really good what we call sensitivity. Right. Rate. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it, it does definitely work. And it is the go to. And, you know, I don't know when you were uh, actively practicing. I don't think so that, that they didn't have the 3D. At that time, no, we didn't have it. <laughs> Nothing was digitized yet. Oh, it was a mess in radiology back in those days. Right. So you know that's that's another option. I read uh, recently about three uh, out of every four imaging centers now have that technology. Yeah, digital three D technology has revolutionized mm-hmm. radiology. I remember working. We used to be in these dark rooms. You'd get your own little section. You had this big, this big wall that was basically a light screen. Okay. And you had all the film, and you'd throw up the film. Like if it was a a cat scan of someone's belly, you'd put each each one up, all mm-hmm. these different sections, mm-hmm. and then you would go through the. Oh, film. and so you're trying it to was piece real, it together yes. in your mind. <laughs> there's the top of the pancreas. Now I'm moving. Oh my goodness. Now I'm, yeah. There's the top of the kidney. Da da da. But now with digital, and you can you just 
go all over the place. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we had the old flimsy film. Yeah. And then there's thermography. Uh. Oh. <laughs> Uh, it seems like I hit a touchy subject. It doesn't here. work. It just, there's no, there's no, let's be honest. There's no evidence that thermography has any sensitivity towards detecting cancer. Right. So, what do you think about complementing that with mammography? Why? So, I'll tell you, here's what I'm thinking. So, you, as, as we mentioned earlier, I have the dense breast tissue. I'm going in for the ultrasound. So, now I'm thinking maybe I need the thermography because when I say my tissue is dense, the doctor, uh, the radiologist said, like, out of a one to five, I'm a five. So everything looks white. Yeah. So what do you think? Dr. Mikey's laughing because, you know, you all know, I know what that looks like. You you know I me, too. Like. So yeah. for that person who just needs a little bit of peace of mind, what do you think? Go ahead. I mean, I, that's fine. I mean, it's not, it's the ultrasound plus mammography for you is, that's, the gold standard. And okay. so, but if you want to add there, the problem with thermography, yes, it, it can pick up hot spots. Right. But so many things can be a hot spot. So it's right. sensitive. Okay. Right. It's, it's overly sensitive. I think it's not. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. And just, just to clarify, when Dr. Mike says hot spots, if there's a cancer there, that tissue is metabolically active, active. and you can pick it up, and it it shows up as I guess like heat. It does on it's the thermography. Any, any cells that are dividing quickly, where if there's uh, if there's what's called um, an, um, like uh, angiogenesis. Oh yes, blood or vessel, blood flow. Oh, yeah, it just it just picks that up. But a bruise ah. could, could pop up. Mm -hmm. A cyst. Okay. So, so when you're doing these screenings, there's two two major words. There's specificity and sensitivity. Mm -hmm. Sensitivity is being able to pick up a hot spot. Thermography is great at that. It has okay. high sensitivity, uh -huh. but it's not specific to cancer. So right. if you get a hot spot, guess what you're going to have to get anyways? A mammogram. Right. So it doesn't really matter. In the okay. Moment. Okay. I get it. That <laughs> makes sense, Doctor Mike. I look. I am all about wise. Information. <laughs> okay, that's good. I think you're telling me to go on. That's fine. Let's go on. So that no, that's great. So that that's a big end. And I think I think we end this in by saying it's really about cancer screening. Right. If there's a good stand, gold standard, go do it. Yeah, I got a colonoscopy coming up. Oh, I haven't scheduled it. Yet. That's a good clean out. I haven't that scheduled you, it. You you feel like you're just walking on clouds after. That. <laughs> oh, oh, exciting! Can't that, that's the up. plus. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, um, let's go on to, I love this one, end number two, all right? This is what you want, happiness. <laughs> I know, don't we all proud of being happy? <laughs> yeah, happiness. Um, we There's actually a huge, what's called longitudinal study, right? That's basically right. following a bunch of people, measuring one or two variables for many, 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 many years. And this one I think was 85 years. 85 years. Started in 1938 yeah. during the Great Depression. Three generations of people now included right, in this, right. in this ha happiness study. Tell us what they found. Yeah, so and it's Dr. Mike mentioned the longest or most comprehensive happiness study um, ever conducted. And the director of the study found two big findings. Okay. One, taking care of our health yeah. makes us happy or yeah. contributes to well-being. Sure. And warm connections 
with other people or good relationships. These and that was the warm connections or good relationships was the strongest predictor of who was going to be happy and healthy as they grew old. We talked about that. Isolation in the elderly population is horrible. And loneliness. Loneliness, isolation. It makes anything that they have, whether it's arthritis, a little bit of mild cognitive impairment, you throw in isolation, loneliness, it's all worse. Now I'm feeling emotional. (laughs) And I guess I want to, okay, so first let's look at the first one. Right. Um, So taking care of your health. This makes sense too, because um, one of, and, and I was told this by a behavioral um, psychiatrist years and years ago who worked a lot with people with addictions. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about smokers. And we know that smoking is bad physically. I mean, right. it's a, it right. puts you at risk for just about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also said one of the biggest things about, one of the biggest impacts it had on a daily basis, somebody, was people who were smoking, they knew they shouldn't be, and it made them anxious about, their, their lives. And they would right. always be very anxious about, oh, I smoked again. And that's just not a way to live. Wow. Probably the guilt. Yeah. So so taking care of your health is, I think, included in that is yeah. if you got some bad habits, let's work on those bad habits because yeah. when you are able to conquer those, you feel so much better. You do feel good. You know that you're doing the right thing for your body yeah. when you are eating right, when you're exercising, when you're- But when you're not doing it, when you're following that bad habit- you wake up in the middle of the night, oh, I had that whole pack again, you know, when, or whenever that is. Right, right. You shouldn't, you, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be doing. So I like that. One interesting point that the researchers noted, achievements or a good career, it, it I just doesn't make people happy. At the end, and people in their 80s, most of the, most of the workaholics, right? Right. Because basically the studies showed that they had a lot of regret. Yeah. Right? Achievement, work, that kind of stuff. I mean- Listen, I'm not. We're not saying don't try things and go for it, but don't lose your connection to people, Very to true. family, to friends, because so many do. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I like the one thing about warm connections. I like the way that, it, like, I like that warm connection mm-hmm. thing. But just let's make it clear. What I think what that means is genuine, true relationships, not yeah. just acquaintances. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Really having a two or three people. Right. That you spend true quality time with. Yes, that you know, care about you, you yeah. care about them. Yeah. Uh, you have a sense of security, maybe even confidant. Yeah. <laughs> Someone to get in trouble with as you get older. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's great stuff. So happiness. And so, yeah, it's definitely an end. Part of living for age. We talk a lot about the physical, don't we? Right, right. Right. Don't get a heart attack. That's living for you know, like we, it, So take your magnesium or whatever. Absolutely. It's happiness, connection. It's the connections. And just one last point on this, just to, I guess, make a practical connection. If you have a loved one, a, a mother or father or grandmother, often they want to stay in their home as they get older and they're there by themselves. Often, if they go into like assisted living where they're there, they build those connections. They Sometimes it's better. It's better. Yeah. I have seen people where they're they just they're happier. Yeah, and it's a, it's a really good point. I'm not going to say her name, but uh, my next door neighbor, she's 88. Uh, her husband passed away several years ago. Mm-hmm. She's been by herself in that home. She does not want to leave that home. But I but I think you you make a good point because when I do see her and stuff, mm-hmm. she just has so much to say. Because yeah. she hasn't said anything to anybody. Right. Now she has a daughter that comes as the daughter tries. Yeah. You know, but her, she has her own life too, right? I mean, yep. that's, it's hard. 
But whenever I see her, she's just like, oh, did you see that duck out there? Or did you see what, what are they doing on that roof over there? I mean, just everything just comes out. Yeah. And so me and my son, Nate, we just, we just love her. We just, we just oh, laugh. that's so cool. Yeah. That's her mind. Oh, she, she bakes us scones. Oh, well, another reason. <laughs> yeah. So Nate's like, yeah, we're listening. <laughs> We'll stop by and check on you. How how often we can plan these uh these house calls. All right. So that's in number two, happiness, love it. In number three, now, this is one that's gonna sound weird to people, but it actually is important because the lack of this can indicate some issues. Uh-huh. And that is sense of smell. Yeah, your ability to smell Kate plays a key role on your health. If your smell declines, your nutrition, your diet declines, physical well-being, even safety. Yeah. Um, and it's important. Like you can't smell if something's burning in the kitchen. That happened to my aunt. Almost burned down the house. Oh, she didn't even know it. She didn't even know it. She was Weird. baking something and could not smell that yeah. it was burning. And, and and to take it a step further, more and more research is showing um, the, way, the way smell works, right? You pick up the smell is basically little molecules in the air. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, right? And your no, it gets in your nose. Yeah, everything gets in your nose. Yeah. <laughs> Even some of the smells you don't want. <laughs> That's true. You just imagine that they're all getting up in there, and it binds to these little olfactory receptors uh-huh. in uh-huh. the brain. But it's just been in the past few years, really, where, where we're starting to figure out what's really going on in the processing of that information mm-hmm. in the brain, mm-hmm. and it's very much related to kind of um, memory type pathway. Yes. And so you can think of smell and memory as kind of indications of how your brain's working. So if you're having memory issues, mm-hmm. couple that with some smell issues, mm-hmm. yeah, you probably want to go get, you know, have your doctor check you out. You're right, Dr. Mike. And the loss of smell with age is not really a problem with the nose. It's a it's problem the with the brain. That's what, yeah, that's, it's really, a, the, the nose is the, uh, is the secondary marker. It's saying, hey, there's mm-hmm. something going on in your brain. I can't smell anymore. Yep. So research shows uh, the loss of smell can be an early sign of Parkinson's, Alzheimer's disease, MS. Um, And their research is studying this now. There was a recent study in 2023, uh, actually July of 2023. And they're just kind of connecting that link between Alzheimer's disease, loss of smell. Uh, And so if I guess the takeaway if you're having trouble smell, smelling, maybe you should think, think of it as a memory problem. Right. Check with your doctor. Check with your doctor. So the end here is to be aware of that. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and of course, I would recommend light lifestyle first. Do, do your exercise, eat, eat good. But supplementation for brain health. Yes. You know, magnesium three day. We did a whole show on that. Yeah. And it's, it's easy. Your doctor can do give you a scratch and sniff smell test. Remember those as a kid? <laughs> yes. The stickers? It'd be a banana one, a strawberry oh, one. Oh, goodness. Who knows what, what we were actually smelling. <laughs> Back then, it was probably pure toxin. Who knows? <laughs> oh, and, the, and, the, and then the, the markers. Oh, yes. We, I, mean, I think half the time that we were high in they school. They still make those. Like, <laughs> Apples. All right. Let's go on to our out. So we've done the three ins, right? Mm-hmm. Let's go to the out. This is what you don't want. Now, this one is um, hearing loss. Yeah. It's a big issue. There's a lot of research now connecting hearing loss with with overall health, um, as well as kind of, you know, we had the, didn't we do a podcast on hearing we did, loss? We did it, and we talked about sound therapies. And yes, okay. Mm-hmm. So check that out at liveforevers.com. 
Right. So we now know that hearing loss is a big problem. Um, and I think it's going to get worse as the years progress with all the earbuds. And I the, wonder about that, right? Yeah, I think if, hey, if you're looking for a career in the future, future college kids. Yeah, audiology. Get into, get into audiology because well, I think we're all going to be deaf. I mean, there was a time not that long ago when we didn't have any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. the, the first thing that came out were the big ones. And those weren't as bad because now you're you're putting them into your ear canal, and I could hear some of the music. It's people are playing it so loud, I know. or they're talking on the phone, mm -hmm. and it's just blare. You can hear the person literally talking from like five feet away, right, <laughs> through the earbud. It is right in their ear. That has to be causing some problems. It has to be causing problems. But one thing that may be able to help, omega threes. Yeah, and that's where we're tying this in, right? right. So, so we don't want to lose hearing. How do you fix that? Yeah. Omega-3s play a big role. It's about DHA, right? DHA. Uh, now, of course, this is a preliminary association study. It was published, or not published, it was presented uh, in July, just a couple weeks ago at um, Nutrition 2023. Uh, and it's a, a big nutrition conference, and, and the researchers published this research where they found that it's an observational study where they found people who had the highest omega-3 blood levels that was associated with uh, with better hearing. Yeah. It's, well, it specifically was the DHA level, right? It was DHA. That's what they, they measured. Yeah. So there's EPA, DHA. DHA is long known to be more of the brain one, mm -hmm. right? I, I, I mean, listen, makes sense. Fish oil, foundational nutrient for people. Right. It targets inflammation, improves blood flow yeah. to the ear. Uh, those ear structures supports endothelial function in the ear. So I think that it's kind of a no brainer. It's nice that they tested where they yeah. found in the study they had data on yeah. those individuals. Now, now they have to move more to, to like the interventional type stuff right. where you take people with hearing issues. Give them DH, DHA, figure out that. Do I mean, there's a lot still to do here. Right. But it, right. It is, it, it's an, an in interesting association. Yeah. So there are three ins and out. Breast cancer screening and, and overall cancer screening, right? Right. Number two was happy day. Happy. And then number three. Um, what was number three? Sense of smell. Sense of smell, right? And then, of course, what's out is hearing loss. Ramp up your omega is always good for you. I've increased my omegas from two to four. Remember I told you that? Oh, yes. I do four Yay. soft choice now. Been doing it for a couple months. I've, I've been asking Dr. Mike to do this for years. I know. And I just <laughs> decided out of nowhere. Good. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Hey, so um, our sponsor, Life Extension, because we have such a great audience uh, and we really appreciate you and, so, and they appreciate you as well, um, they have a special discount code for you, 10% off your entire order. At lifeextension.com, when you check out, you simply just put in the discount code podcast. That's it. Easy to remember. 10% off podcast. Go So so go check that the out. The entire order. Yeah. 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 You order what you want, go check out up with your cart. And at the very end, it says discount code. You put in podcast, 10% off right there. Lifeextension.com. Don't forget, all of our uh, podcasts are up at liveforeverish.com. Yep. When you're there, check them out. <laughs> There's a whole bunch. <laughs> Uh, we always forget how many is. I don't know. No. I, I can't keep track of how many. There's a lot. There's a lot there. But when you do, download, like, share, um, comment. Mm -hmm. We like to hear from you. And subscribe so you never miss a show. You can also give your email and join Life Extension's newsletter, which is really good. Mm -hmm. That's liveforeverish.com. I'm Dr. Mike. Thanks for listening.